to live from Studio Stitch B with me and Slick Rick. We're going to hold down the fort till Big D and Rick Delgado get in. We have What Even Is That Tonight with Rick Delgado. He's in traffic, hope you understand. Big D is uh, with some family uh, things, and uh, Slick Rick is here, and that's all we need, Slick Rick. What, how right. you doing, kid? We're ready to rock, Paul. Let's do this. Let's go, brother. So, all right, so this afternoon, like any good American, I decided to go into a, a pub. I had a, three or four Guinness, maybe four or five Guinnesses, and uh, <laughs> I pretended I knew everything about soccer until I got told, it's not soccer, man, it's football. football. Yeah. Like, what? Soccer. All right, anyway, it was a fun game, and uh, I'm assuming you watched it today? Uh, yeah, I did. I caught it. In fact, I couldn't stop watching that highlight of Christian Pulisic with that goal. It was just incredible. That 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 feat of diving into the goalie. I thought they were going to call goalie interference. I figured, ah, another conspiracy, Paul. You know, we're playing <laughs> Iran. Here we go. And what happens? Bang, goal. And all you hear is, goal! And yeah. It was great. I figured the conspiracy guys were on our side in that one, so <laughs> I, I wasn't worried. Um, yeah, boy, he took one in the... Uh, he took one in the. He left the game because he got uh, yeah. a bruised. Um, he went to the hospital. To the yeah, he 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 took it. He took. But how about the header coming across? That was some fancy stuff going on there. I was very impressed by it all. Well executed play. Well executed. But now here's what I'm going to throw my two cents in here before we start the show and we actually get into it. If they wanted to make soccer better, that they would do is they they would put boards up around the edges. Yeah. Keep the play ball in play. And then yeah. they would have lines where guys could come in and change on the fly. So keep all the fresh legs going. Have every team should have like 27 guys so they can just keep on rotating fresh bodies. And then they should wear ice skates and put on pads and then they should condense it and make it hockey. Yeah. Paul, sounds like the old indoor soccer league with a little hockey twist to it. Remember the old MISL, Major Indoor Soccer League, back in the day oh, where yeah. they had the boards? And that was Shep Messing, the great Cosmo <laughs> goalie. He was playing yeah. uh, in the MISL. That was great stuff. So that's what you kind of evoke memories of that. But, hey, this is dominating news. It's a big game Saturday. They're playing the Netherlands, 10 a.m. Get your brunch ready, and Saturday morning is going to be great, 10 a.m. Eastern. So our friends out west have got to get up early. But that's going to be that's going to be a great game. This is really brings the country together to some degree if there's such a thing that we can do that we could all yeah. agree we want the united states to win right I yeah think. it'd be nice to see us underdogs on a national stage represent well uh what's nice is you know a lot of my friends who are you know from ecuador and guys i do business with are uh was saying that usa is actually a decent team they're not terrible like they have fielded some bad teams in the past they're very competitive not there with germany not there with brazil or argentina or england. spain but yeah you know, or england but but they but they, then they have the one the zero the nil nil tie with england so it's fantastic you know, that's a big deal. So uh, anyway, that was fun today. So it was nice seeing some old friends and hanging out and talking, uh, you know, sports and catching up. And uh, so um, a lot going on in the news again. Uh, uh, Kanye's at it again. Uh, very important. Everyone knows we're not discussing that tonight. No, <laughs> we're not discussing him. I personally, I have one thing to say. People know he's got mental illness, and now they're exploiting him by bringing him on to get ratings, to get clickbait. I just feel like at this point, somebody who cares about this guy has got to help him because he can't stop saying stupid things. And, you know, and it's so, there's so much nuance to his subject, but he's not articulate enough to explain what he's trying to say. And, and all he's going to do is continue to divide people and make things worse for Trump. And for, you know, I don't even know why is Milos and, and him at dinner with Trump? Well, I have no idea what they're doing over there anyhow. So, uh, 
Um, it's Kanye is truly the wild, wild west, Paul. No doubt. <laughs> well, no, we got to call him Ye now, right? Was it Ye? Yeah, right. Yeah, Ye. I don't know. He's still ye? making money ye. from Adidas. So. Kanye. Kanye. Yeah, yeah right. So and him and uh, Kardashian finally uh, made their split today. That's in the news. I also noticed he's got to give her $200,000 a month for child support. What kind of child they got? What, what is it? What's going on over there? It's like a village. <laughs> oh, my God. Right. Um, so the first thing I wanted to kind of get into was the new project Veritas that, that was out. Um, I thought it was just, you know, I, I saw the headlines of it. I saw some clips of it. I don't truly know cause I was out all day and trying to have a first day off in a long time. And uh, it was great. So gee, can we, uh, can we start with this clip and well, I'd like the audience to share with us and, and all their thoughts on this. And I want to try to start with this real interactive and I want to bring the audience involved here today. So we can talk about this one and let it roll. The tax dollars of people who are listening are paying to put children in the hands of criminals. I said, I need to make you aware. And they said, Tara, we don't get sued by traffickers. A government whistleblower has stepped forward to Project Veritas to detail her harrowing experience at the Department of Health and Human Services. In 2021, this whistleblower volunteered to assist HHS with the placement of unaccompanied minors and was deployed to the Migrant Emergency Intake Site in Pomona, California. There, she witnessed the agency failing these children, as she puts it, doing the work of the cartels on your tax dollars. These vulnerable children, we care for them, we clothe them, we feed them. With your dollars and my dollars, we fly that product directly to the trafficker. God forbid it's sex trafficking. Project Veritas embarked on a nine-month investigation across oh, the country man. to corroborate our whistleblower's claims. So he attempted to traffic children, and he's still at address in Texas. Yes, we have 44 unaccompanied children at that address. We have 25 unaccompanied children at that address. Project Veritas put boots on the ground, visiting scores of addresses the whistleblower shared from case files she worked on. What we found was shocking. <laughs> The sponsor can hold up that order of deportation to that child and say, if you do not do what I say, I'm going to call ICE on you myself. I don't believe that this is something that HHS wants people to know. If you're a case manager and you know this information, if you really care about the children being safe, you need to come forward. Wow. Wow, nine month investigation. That's just incredible. With these, the, how evil people can possibly be. It is, it, the, the level of sick and, and, and depraved these people, I just can't. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, that was worse than I thought it was going to be. Um, uh, wow. Now we'll yeah. see if anything happens with this. Like all these other Project Veritas, these guys do this great reporting. They do everything that they that real mainstream media is supposed to do. And all they get is vilified for it. And uh, now, can anybody, can anybody out there please 
pick up the baton and save these children for God's sakes. I mean, just this could be anybody's daughter, niece, son. I mean, this is just psychotic. So, um, unconscionable how they could turn an eye to this and let this go on. It is just incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I uh, it's funny the way I saw this did, you know. Um, the only reason I knew that there was a new Project Veritas out is because, you know, there's some interesting, you know, uh, groups on like Instagram and, and Facebook and these social media sites that my wife is on. Like, and she's, there's a group called Gays Against Groomers. And she had said, did you hear about the new Project Veritas? And these people are getting a lot of heat. They've been threatened to be shadow banned because this group of, you know, gay people can't stand how their movement is being hijacked by the depraved, uh, by people who've gone so far. And that's how she heard about this. So, um, you know, obviously the chat's flying right away. So, I, you know, guys, get it out there. Share for us. Get us moving. Let's get this thing. Uh, let's get it, get the numbers up. Um, you know, I, I don't know where to begin, but there's uh, there's quite a bit of news uh, to, to go through here. Um, I, you know, I, I wanted to talk about Paul Pelosi uh, Slick Rick, I don't know if you're following the story at all, but the, do you remember the original NBC News reporter who's not been, he, he's the he disappeared. first guy. He disappeared. He disappeared. Uh, Miguel Almaguar, uh, he has not appeared on the air since November 4th uh, and the because he, he had put the details surrounding the attack targeting Pelosi last month and he retracted without an explanation. Um Al McGuire, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, is usually featured on NBC's Today and Nightly News programs. Reports mm -hmm. earlier this month uh, indicated that he was suspended by the network after the video report was retracted and he has not been seen on NBC since. Meanwhile, NBC News or its parent company has not issued any statements as to why he's gone, uh, but he was suspended and and no one knows really for how long. So I think this is pretty crazy. Uh, it's just, this is another example for me of that the news is just so criminal. Everything about what we see is shockingly criminal. You know, and this is where you know that everything is inter interwoven with one another. Everything is is intertwined with everything. You know, these people who are in charge, the people who have power, the henchmen, you know, who win these seats in office, usually, you know, my opinion with all kinds of fraud, we can't look past Maricopa. We can't look past what, what happened in, in um, any, all over Arizona. I mean, the, the, the behavior of the, of the, you know, lieutenant governors and the and the election committee and the and the gaslighting that we've run the greatest election ever and they just right in your face lying to you. And thank God people like Ben Burkwam on the ground are standing up and yeah. and fighting this thing. It's you know it's it's crazy, slick. You know they weave just, a it, wicked web, Paul. A wicked web they weave. And yeah, Ben Burkwam was fire last night. We played that video last night. Was that Maricopa? That was that yeah. was exceptional. I mean, Ben is on the ground fighting for us. But we need a Ben in every state. That's the problem. We have a we have a Ben down south down in the southwest area doing phenomenal work but we need some guys up in the northeast in philly banging the drum you know yeah. I mean, in, in in new york city all these wild blue states where there's all this wickedness and all you know we know the games that are going on so we need more bends on the on the road no doubt about it yeah without a doubt i mean what i watched about uh, about 45 minutes of the testimony people were, were speaking and these are all poll watchers coming forward and saying everything we saw 
was was criminal. I mean, every single person who had a perfect ballot, but one they were telling them to use felt pens that was wouldn't register. Then they were having pens that were deliberately rejected. Then they were told constantly put it in the box, you know, three, um, or, you know, or C, you know, whatever C or three. I can't. And it was like all these now are lost. People being jaded. Six hundred and fifty people waiting online before the polls closed at seven o'clock, and only a hundred and fifty got in. You know, it's the, the ratios are just incredible. It started out with. You know, the night before, the commission went in and tested all the machines to 100% perfection, and then 63, up to 63% of the machines had problems, and as many as 20 didn't work at all, 20% didn't work at all. I mean, this is voter suppression at its finest. They were watching the left in their own conundrum again, right, Rick? They yep. said, oh, we can't have voter suppression. But here we did, we see we, nothing but pure voter suppression here. It amazes me with the whole voting system. Here we can order Thanksgiving dinner for 40 people on Uber Eats and digitally have it processed and done and delivered in 40 minutes. And we can't get a vote counted in within a day and we can't process this all digitally. That would take away a lot. There'd be other things to worry about, obviously. But, I mean, I can't believe we're worried about number two pen, uh, number two pencil, a felt pen. This is absolute insanity. It's archaic. This is like this is like 1947 all over again. It's crazy. <laughs> exactly right. All right, guys. Thanks for sharing us. Thanks for getting us out there. Uh, we have uh, we have a lot to talk about. We had a lot of fun clips. We got Crazy Town. We have What Is and Is That. Thank you so much, everyone. Sharon is Karen. So uh, please uh, get it out there. We'll be back after this. live from studio 6b we're holding down the fort till big d gets in and uh you know i'm looking forward to what even is that usually uh because football season i'm so busy i'm wrapped up with my other businesses and i uh you know i'm just pretty exhausted this time of year so i get to, i miss the what even is that's and i and i love them and i keep asking these guys would you send me the standalone and uh, so i'm saying here on the air so maybe i could put some extra pressure on on rick d to get me uh the 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 cut of it he never thinks to do it because i hope that guy gets a, one of these to go viral one day and he you know he, he hits it big because he's he's he terrific deserves at it. It. He deserves, he deserves it, it. He yeah. spends a lot of time writing those things he's just great at it so um all right so obviously uh Slick Rick, we're going to do some sports right now. I got a couple of news stories we can get into after this. So uh, I know where you're starting. All right. Well, first, Paul, if people tune in tonight, they're probably watching you and I and saying, what even is that? <laughs> but it's us. <laughs> Here we are holding down the fort. Big D's on the way. So is Rick Delgado. They had some basketball <laughs> games for their I'm boys. Yeah. <laughs> but we're here. This is it. You just got to suffer with us for a whole 30 minutes. We love our like, audience. Welcome to Studio 6B. There you go. Rock and roll. One night I'm going to have to host. I, Paul, I'm going to have to host two hours one night. I can see you coming down the pipe. So I'll have, I'll have them hanging from the, the chandeliers. But let me get a couple of quick scores in before I get into the uh, odds makers, heartbreakers. Um, NBA action right now. Knicks over the Pistons, 70-56 to 56 at the half. We got the Mavs over the Warriors, 42-38, five and a half to go in the second quarter. NHL action. Paul, let's go to the ice. Bruins over the Lightnings, one zip in the TD Garden, nine minutes to go in the second. Sharks up one nothing over the Canadians up in Montreal, 12 minutes to go in the second. Hurricanes and Penguins nodded at one. That's in the second. Islanders trailing the 
fly is two to one. I think they're going to come back, Paul. But that game's out and down in Philly, down south there, uh, Wells Fargo Center. And we got the Predators and Ducks, no score, just underway. Avs at the Jets. That's an 8 p.m. start. Panthers, Flames, Capitals, Canucks, and Kraken. Opening the Kraken at the Kings in L.A. That game tips at 10.30, as those other games do. They're all late tippers. World Cup action earlier today. Senegal defeated Ecuador 2-1. to one. The, the Netherlands beat uh, Qatar 2-zip. And, uh, I, well, we know USA, they won one zip. And we're going to get into that in a minute. But let's talk a little bit about the odds makers. Uh, G, bring that up. I know Big D. Let, let me get this out of the way before I have to see him gloating. Oh, my God <laughs> almighty. You, <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so rough night last night. We know the Steelers. I shouldn't. Yeah, here he is. I can't believe it. Is he already oh, on the show? Back. Oh my gosh! <laughs> here he is. He's show live. Me the oh. Money. Oh, show my. me the money. What a segue! My Perfect goodness. Perfect timing, Slick Rick. Perfect timing. Yeah. Okay, Geo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at that. That looks Perfect that looks amazing. Else to do. Oh my god. You talk about insufferable. Here all right, anyway, let's go. They got to talk about this one big D. Steelers lose 13 point lead and rally to defeat the Colts. I think their coach Jeff Saturday had a little clock management problem last night, but that's another oh, yeah. story. This was posted by Field Level Media. Benny Snell's 2-yard TD run with 9:55 left Monday night lifted the Pittsburgh Steelers to a 24-17 win over the host Indianapolis Colts. I got chewed up in the chat. I know Steph 44. She's a good follower on Get It. And she said, I can't believe you picked against my Steelers. Every time I pick against their Steelers, their, their the Alabama, <laughs> the, the Tide, or I, the yeah. Georgia Dogs, oh, Slick Rick, I pay the price. And you know what? They're right. I'm wrong. I should listen. I'm not, you know what? The audience is going to start doing my picks, Big D. If I get any further in the hall, I'm dragging them all in with me. That's it. I'll take picks from them all. Dr. Tom and uh, you know, everybody. So, but it's yeah. a good game last night. <laughs> Jeff Saturday. They left a couple of timeouts on the board and uh, had nothing but trouble. He's going to sell them on eBay. What was he doing? I mean, I, 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 this is what happens if you haven't coached since high school. Terrible, <laughs> like, terrible. Yeah. Wow. And, and just big day, one more to World Cup. I know you were watching earlier today and uh, unbelievable. Yes. Christian Pulisic gives update on status for USA's clash with Netherlands. Obviously, the young man got got injured, but looks like he's going to try to make it back for Saturday's game. This is from a- Andrew Kula of Yardbarker. Christian uh, Pulisic played the hero for Team USA in the must-have win for the red, white, and blue. The USA defeated Iran one zip to advance out of Group B and then into the knockout stages of the 2022 World Cup. We know I announced earlier 10 a.m. Saturday, appointment television, uh, television, Big D. The Netherlands, they're taking on the Netherlands, the Dutchmen. So that should be a heck of a game. We'll see. Well, it'll be uh, not so nice shirt, Paul. That'll be, yeah. um, that'll be a good game if they decide that they want to play like they played in the first half today. If they played like they played in the second half, which I don't know if they were nervous. You would think that at this point they would be past the nerves. But the second half... They did some things that I've never seen in professional soccer, how bad it was. I, I, I've never seen things like they just kick it to the other. I've, I've never seen anything like it. I don't know if it was nerves. I don't know what it was, if they were just drained, if they were just they had no energy left. I've hey, never actually, seen things that I saw in the second half. First half was the, magical. Yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah, the, the giveaway. Hey, no, Get Paul. Are you guys experts on the game? Because I'm not. I'm not an expert on football. I'm more an expert on American football, but not not on. Do you, um, do you have a lot of knowledge of the game because of your family, right? Like you, you've the Germans and everything. You guys I know how to I know how to scream at the TV. Well, that's what I've learned from them. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, <got laughs> no, I mean, I know a little bit. 
I was actually yelling, pull your goalie, Iran. You know, like, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm pull the goalie. Yell, Block that kick. Block that kick. You know, so, like, I'm trying to bring back. But I was curious because in the second half, I, I was looking at it and I'm thinking, are they, is this a tactic? Like, are they, is, is it just icing? Are they trying to just ice kick it all the way to the other end and let them start over again? I was like, what are they doing? I, I, I didn't know. I actually asked the guy next to me, he goes, no, I think they're just playing bad. Yeah. I said, oh, okay. Yeah, they, they, play, they played horrendous in the second half. It's not a tactic. I mean, maybe the last 10 <laughs> seconds when you know you're coming to the end of, uh, by the way, they put nine minutes of, of um, extra time on. I've never seen that before. Well, well, the I mean, the first half. The first half, they just they played so well. They dominated the game. It was played on one half of the field. I mean, we, it could have been four nothing at the half. Second half, it was almost exactly the mirror opposite. All still played on that side of the field, but this time we were on the defense. And uh, I mean, they could. I mean, they had, didn't have as many chances as we did, but I mean, they held on for absolute dear life towards the end. This kid uh, Polisic is yeah. unbelievable. I mean, he sacrificed. I mean. He took, one cross, as they, he took one, as they say. I, I think they said it was a groin injury. Uh, but an just, abdominal it, injury. They're classifying it, it as an abdominal. <laughs> I'm classing yeah. it as a family jewels injury. That's what I'm classifying yeah. it as. Yeah, he put his, he put his future uh, ability to have children on the line for the team is the way I saw it. I mean, yeah. that was brutal looking. Yeah, oh. I got an ESPN alert, bruised left testicle. So I, I think they were yeah. pretty clear I, about it. I tell um, you this, though. I wouldn't want to be on that Iranian national team having to go home because uh, their government actually threatened their families prior to uh, There was an article in Yardbarker that they threatened their families that if they didn't behave and do the right thing, they, they could be imprisoned or tortured. And family members, they were actually threatening them, the Iranian government, which, of course, yeah, is no shock to our audience. Yeah, but scary um, for those boys. You know, the reporter. Was... I'm sorry, Paul. Hold on. The reporter in the um, in the press briefing before the match, I guess our coach or somebody said. Iran, and the reporter got all uppity uppity and said it's pronounced Iran. Yeah, let's get it straight for the last time. He copped a real attitude, and uh, the the uh, I, I, the captain of our team, who I'm not, I wasn't really that familiar with, young kid, I thought did a pretty classy job of handling himself um, under the circumstances that he found himself in. Because if it was me, I would have told the you know, well, it, it would not have been pretty. He tried to be much like, more diplomatic about it, but yeah. I would have sounded like these guys, like Pam or Pan. I would be like, is it Erin? Erin? Oh I would have just yeah. trolled Flock the of guy. seagulls, I ran. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, well, I congr just, uh, no, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I, we definitely have a gap here because I, I'm, but uh, yeah, no, it's all good. Yeah. They, 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 I mean, listen, they're moving on out of this round, which for this younger team is a, is a great accomplishment. Uh, listen, they can they can win Saturday. They just have to play like they play. They have to put two halves together. They have to put yeah. two halves together. They did it in the first game, and then they took the worst penalty I've ever seen in soccer to, to end up in a draw. They put two halves together to get a draw against England. Um, and they put one half today, and that was enough to hang on for dear life. They got to put two halves together on Saturday. Yeah. If they're going to move past around, if they're going to move past around to 16. So, all right, live from Studio 6B. Lots to do. We'll get into some things when we get back. Glad you're here. Thanks to Paul and Rickford. Covering Philip Patrick coming up from Birch Gold.
right, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's going to do some news. Rick Delgado will be here for what even is that at the top of the hour. Slick Rick's doing some sports. I was a little late because my son's high school basketball team is now in session. Tonight was the first game. And, of course, as a sophomore, he made the varsity team. So it was exciting. Exciting to be at the uh, first game, so that's why I was a little late. I apologize, and we're going to try to work as smoothly as we can through his season as I'm going to try to go to all the games as a dad. Um, so uh, I want to thank the guys for sitting in for a second, and um, I'd like to welcome right now to the show, and of course, I love having Philip Patrick on. Anytime around, we're going to get CPI data, and these first two weeks of December are going to be big, and tomorrow is actually going to be big because um, <clears throat> the Fed chair is going to be out and speaking as the Fed Board of Governors have been in this recent week. Tomorrow will be the last day before they go into blackout before the big Fed meeting. Please welcome now Philip Patrick from Birch Gold. Uh, Mr. Patrick, how are you? Doing very well, Damon. How are you? Uh, very good. And I don't know if you just heard, I'm sure you just heard what I said, but tomorrow we'll get uh, Jerome Powell out to speak at some, uh, he's at some conference or someplace, I guess he's going to give a speech and Maybe we'll get kind of a hint on um, where he's feeling as far as interest rates go. We've had a bunch of 75s. And of course, he told us at the beginning, 75 would not be the normal. It's become the norm. And now we're hearing that maybe the federal funds rate, the terminal rate is going to be a little higher than they originally thought. Of course, what these people all originally thought couldn't have been more wrong, as we've discussed yeah. before. But I want to start the discussion before we get into CPI, what you think we're going to see on December 14th. Um, with what's going on in China, obviously the news and these protests we're seeing in China. Um, from your point of view in commodities and those kind of things, when you look at what's going on in China, what are you seeing right now? Listen, I mean, China's a big problem right now. What, what we're seeing at the moment is essentially the most explosive protest since Tiananmen Square, and it's happening across China, right, in Xinjiang, in Wuhan, even Shanghai. And they've at least short term completely derailed the entire nation's economy. And this was at a time when the real estate sector was already collapsing in China. The reality is people are fed up, right? Now we're seeing the government, as expected, turning to violence to try and repress the fury of essentially a billion citizens. But what it is, at least for now, is the biggest challenge to Xi's leadership, I think, since he took office. It's a big problem for the Chinese and ultimately will be the big problem for the rest of the world uh, as those problems bleed over. Yeah, you see what's happening there. We've seen what's happening in uh, Iran as people have risen up there. And of course, uh, we said yesterday in the show, when these, when the people, when the rise up against these authoritarian regimes it takes you know it takes a lot of courage because you got the iron fist of government and we see some of the horrific video coming out of china um obviously the us government and Joe, the a biden administration really didn't vocally support the people of um iran and they haven't they've tried to walk a, a fine line here on what's going on with zero covid policy and g in china um not voicing a lot of support or displeasure for the methods and the tactics Maybe it's because we tried some of the same stuff when COVID started here. I'm not exactly sure, but uh, in your mind, does any of this mean anything right now to the U.S. and to us? What should we be keeping our eye on to say, okay, now this is really going to start to affect us? Is there anything? 
Yeah, look, first of all, global instability in general has an effect on, on markets worldwide. But specifically when it's coming from China, let's not forget they're still the second largest economy in the world. Even though they're $5 trillion smaller than the U.S. economy, they're the world's largest importer, right? They import twice the volume of goods as the United States. They're essentially the world's factory, right? And currently we're seeing them unable to manufacture uh, or ship the stuff that we rely on daily. And it's everything. It's from plastic bins to iPhones, to rare earth elements. There's a lot of stuff that we rely on China from. So what happened, or for rather, so what happens there, of course, has massive ripple effects across the economy and, and uh, the global economy. And I think given the inflationary problems most countries are facing at the moment, this is the last thing we need. I think it could act to compound, squeeze those supply chains and, and cause problems uh, internationally. Speaking with Philip Patrick from Birch Gold, of course, you can text America to 989898 for your free information kit, as I tell you here each and every night, 989898 to America, America to 989898, excuse me, and we'll talk a little bit more about precious metals, obviously, and their positioning right now in this market. Um, it seems like every time the VIX, the volatility index gets down to around 20, we see a bad day in the market. Monday, we saw... Uh, 500 point loss today was a little better. Apple obviously weighing on the market today down 2%. Uh, obviously you have nationwide protests going on in China, uh, supply chain disruptions. Um, so do you think this affects the market? Do you think the market is more trying to figure out whether the United States is gonna go into a recession and trying to get ahead of that? Um, or do you think these what's going on worldwide has more of an effect on a daily basis? Or do you think the market is, and we know the market's forward thinking, do you think they're trying to just figure out where CPI is gonna be, what the, what the recession, if any, is gonna look like? What do you think the market on a daily basis, the swings we're seeing like a Monday 500 point loss, what do you think that's due to? It, it, it's really interesting. I think it's quite a bit of what you said. So first of all, every time the Federal Reserve come out and speak, the markets are analyzing every bit of their sentences to try and determine whether they're going to be dovish or hawkish. And that has a dramatic effect. Look at what happened on Monday. I think Monday was, it was a good example, right? We had all of this news out of China um, and we saw a massive drop in the market. What was interesting, Apple dropped two and a half percent. Makes perfect sense, right? Uh, we're, you know, Apple make the iPhone in China. They can't ship them out. It's a big problem. But Bank of America dropped 2.5% as well, right? Who's selling Bank of America because of Chinese street protests? The reality is nobody. For me, it's very telling, right? Wall Street is celebrating or panicking. They're buying or selling. And it's based on the news of the day, whether or not it's relevant. We've got a market that's very, very jittery. And we've said for a while it hasn't been moving based on fundamentals, but just news of the day, what the Federal Reserve is saying, and that in on itself is concerning. It's classic sign of sort of peak bubble behavior. Yeah. So let's talk about the Fed. As we said, Powell will talk tomorrow. Decision will come December 14th. CPI data will come the day before that, I believe on the 13th. We've had a bunch of yep. 75s. A lot of talk about where the terminal rate's going to be. A lot of talk about whether he's going to slow down in December. And they're, of course, they try to use their language uh, in a way to actually sound hawkish to try to control the market. So they use their language as a tool, obviously, other than rate hikes and other things they can do. We talked about this last time you were on. I thought he may slow down in December. You weren't so sold, if I remember correctly, on him slowing down. Do you still think 75 is on the table for the middle of December, or do you think it's 50? 
I was thinking about that coming in today. I I, I think you have may may have been right on that one. I think they're gonna they're gonna slow down a little bit. I think markets are now pricing in a fifty basis point hike. But and obviously that gets investors excited. But the problem is what you mentioned earlier, and that is that the terminal rate currently in the neighborhood neighborhood of five percent, it will likely stay higher for longer. We're getting mixed messages though from the Fed, right? Vice Chair Lael Brainard, for example, seems to believe that you know the infl- inflation dragon is slain and we're over the worst of it. Meanwhile, you know New York Fed President John Williams believes inflation is going to stay for quite a while, well over the Fed's target 2%. I'm probably more in the John Williams camp. I I think it's going to be tough for the Fed. Uh, really tough uh, to get a handle on inflation given the debt situation, right? I'm not sure they're going to be able to get as aggressive on rates as as they would like to be. You've got to remember something. Every time the Fed raised the federal funds rate 1% with $31 trillion of debt, that's $310 billion of spending the government has, right? That in on itself is a massive category of government spending. A 1% raise equates to our uh, Medicaid outlay. Uh, 2% raise is the equivalent of our defense spending, which is colossal. And a 3% equates to our social security outlay. So I think the Fed are going to be limited. My feeling is that inflation is going to burn well above the 2% mark for quite a long time here in the US. Yeah, I think that's why you're hearing them, even if they slow 50 and then let's say 25 in January, and then they finally stop and look around. I mean, we know how a lag, what what a lag these things work on. And when you look at 75, 75, 75, 75 that they've raised the last four months, we haven't even really felt the effects of that. So, I mean, you know, we, we obviously see what's happening in real estate. We see what's happening in other commodities. While they were raging a year ago and they told us not to worry about it, now, of course, mm-hmm. they're very concerned about how, how strict they have to be. I mean, I'd be shocked if it's not 50 in December, 25 in January, and then take a look around and see where we are. I agree with you that their 2% goal is going to be very hard to get to in 2023, maybe even in half of 2024. I can't see them even remotely thinking about cutting rates till maybe 2024. But let's talk about precious metals specifically because that's what the audience hears me talk about every day. That's what you guys are in every single day. It seems to me... When you look at commodities, precious metals is set up to really lead the way. uh, Of uh, uh, there'll be other commodities, obviously, I think will do well in the next 12 months. But seemingly, precious metals specifically looks to me like they're really set up for a good. They're really positioned well for a good run here over the next six, 12 months. What, What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, look, I would agree with that vehemently. Number one, in an inflationary climate, commodities in general tend to be good assets to buy because inflation dries them up. As you said yourself, gold and silver, I think, particularly well-primed, given that they're safe haven assets as well. So not only do people turn to them to combat inflation, but they also turn to precious metals to hedge market decline and you know geopolitical instability, essentially everything we have in front of us. So I said it before and I'll say it again, I haven't in my life seen a more conducive climate for these sort of assets. Number one, because of the nature of our problems, which we've discussed many times on the show and and today as well, Uh, but also because of the lack of options amongst the traditional asset classes. There's almost nowhere to turn, right? Even with treasury rates increasing, they're still about half the rate of inflation. They're losing money. Bonds, you know, to get any sort of bond that beats the rate of inflation, 
inflation today, you're moving into fairly risky junk bonds and stocks. I think still a lot of air to come out of that bubble as well. So, yeah, I think 2023 and 2024 and moving forward will be a very, very good climate for gold and silver. We're talking to Philip Patrick from Birch Gold. You can text America to 989898. Text America to 989898. Get your free information kit. Get informed. That's what you want to do first. And like I said, I think, and I, know, I'm not, and I am not saying this just because he's on the show right now. I do think precious metals are, are set up for a really good run here to lead the way commodities-wise uh, over this next 12 months. Well, we'll see what happens on the uh, CPI. So what's your, uh, before I let you go, what's your what's your call on CPI? Do we see core CPI continue uh to come down or do you think we have a pretty much unchanged number from last month? Where, where do you see month over month? I think it's going to be pretty much unchanged, if anything, marginally down. Listen, the numbers weren't that good last time. Yes, we saw a reduction, but the reduction came in non-essentials. Essentials still going up. I think a slight reduction, but nothing, nothing dramatic. All right, very good. Love having you on the show. We'll see what happens in the middle of the month, and then we'll uh, we'll reconvene and talk about where we are. It's going to be an interesting start to the new year. These first six months, I think, are going to be very interesting. Like you said, I think there's still some air to come out of the market, especially the S&P. I could see 3,000, 3,300 from where we are now at 3,900. We still may have a ways to go, but love having you on the show. We'll talk to you uh, next month. Philip Patrick from Birch Gold, live from Studio 6B. Text America to 989898. Philip, thanks for coming on. B on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. Philip Patrick's always good. This is an important first two weeks of the month. See what happens, what CPI data looks like. I still think after talking to him, I feel I think I feel a little stronger than he does that I think um, inflation probably has rolled over a little more than he thinks it has. I think you listen to people like Jeremy Siegel from the Wharton School of Business. You talk about what's going on in real estate. You talk about the real live numbers that some of these people are tracking, that the Fed is working on numbers that are Obviously, lagging, he thinks the Fed's doing too much and going to put us right into you know a deep recession, if not uh, worse than that. Of course, you mix Biden's tax policy on top of it. That's how you find depression, never mind recession or stagflation. So we'll see which one we get. Yeah, I, I think um, what he said at the end there was probably the scarier thing for me. Uh, which when was he, when he said, you know, we saw some of the numbers come down, but not not the ones that matter. You know, the the uh, the ones that really hit home, like like the uh, like the gas and the food. You know, the the essential stuff. Yeah, Is well, it, we'll see what the core we'll we'll see what the core the core CPE number looks like. Obviously, food, gas, and energy, and all that's going to um, uh, that that affects the core. But we'll see what we'll see what the month over month overall number looks like as well. I mean, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna continue to inch down. I think what we have to hope is that we don't 
that the Fed is willing to acknowledge that they're working on lagging data and the fact that they could have been they could be doing too much at some point. I think if they do 50, 25 and stop, gives us a terminal rate around four and I guess that'd put us about five, four and three quarters, five, somewhere in there. You know, I think they've got to at that time turn around and say, okay, let, let's see what happens here. I mean, we just can't go crazy. I mean, people talking about heading towards six or seven. I think that's just nuts. So, um, all right, let's do some sports. Sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell and MyPillow, MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. Word on the street is it's about two more weeks. If you're hoping to have it for um, December 25th, you got about two weeks to get your order and if you want to receive it. I saw Jack was, uh, Sobic put something up. That's about two weeks right now is the window to get your orders in. Use our code LFS6B, and you'll have it for uh, have it for Christmas. So, uh, Slick Rick, what's going on? All right. Well, several women who sued Deshaun Watson to attend Browns Texas game. This is Zach Wasink of Yard Barker. This news came out earlier today. Quarterback Deshaun Watson will encounter a unique atmosphere for multiple reasons when he makes his Cleveland Browns regular season debut. At the Houston Texans this Sunday, uh, Kalen Collar of The Athletic reported Tuesday that attorney Tony Busby says around 10 of his clients who allege Watson committed sexual misconduct during massage sessions plan to watch Sunday's game with Busby from a suite at Houston's NRG Stadium. I will be there to welcome Deshaun back to Houston, Busby explained. Busby added he and his clients wish to send a clear message to the signal caller who was reinstated on Monday following an 11-game suspension related to the sexual misconduct allegations. You think you put this behind? you we are still here busby and watson a legal team settled 23 of 24 lawsuits lawsuits filed against the 27 year old before the regular season began a former massage therapist named laura baxley confirmed in august she was the lone holdout and busby told carla that nothing has changed in uh, baxley's stance a new lawsuit was filed against watson last month two grand juries declined to indict watson and he hasn't been charged with any crime related to the allegations his suspension came as a result of a settlement agreed upon uh, by the nfl and the NFL Players Association. Cleveland approved to 4-7 and seven on the season via this past Sunday's 23-17 win over uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, but it remains mathematically alive in the postseason race. On Monday, Browns head coach Kevin Stefanoski uh, said he and his players must put the blinders on to eliminate whatever's going on the outside and focus in on doing our job. Now, when I originally read the story, I was thinking that they would be down like on the sideline or in the end zone. If they're going to be up in a suite, then it's not really going to have an impact, but just the same, the attention will be on this situation for the game. You know, I'm sure the attorney, it's, you know, just trying to make a statement there, but uh, very, very interesting. It's going to definitely be one of the lead stories uh, more so than the game, especially Houston's got nothing to play for at one. What are they? One, nine and one. So this season's all but over, but Cleveland's still in the race at four and seven. So very interesting story there. Uh, so we'll see. We'll have a full report on that. I think I'm going to stay away from that game in terms of betting. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, and the parents of a 16 year old in Georgia who died practicing for her basketball team in extreme heat, have settled their lawsuit against the school district for $10 million. Uh, we trade anything to have her back here with us. This is from Kate Brumbach of Fortune Magazine. Uh, yeah, I'm reading Fortune Magazine now that I'm losing all this money. i got to figure <laughs> out how to get some fortunes so I can pay Big D when the season ends uh, if this keeps up. <laughs> but I'm going to be on the cover if you keep it up. <laughs> we'll see about that. Slow your roll there, Big D. Uh, but the parents of a Georgia high school basketball player who collapsed while practicing outdoors in sweltering heat and later 
died, sadly, uh, Tuesday. They have agreed to a $10 million settlement with the school district. As part of the settlement, the Clayton County School System agreed to rename the gymnasium at Elite Scholars Academy for Imani Bell, who was a 16-year-old junior at the school when she died. Uh, so, you know, it's a very sad story, but the family did get a settlement. Basically, they really just wanted to get the word out and, and set some kind of a precedent. And the money, obviously, when you can't have your child back, anybody would give $10 million away to get their children back naturally. But they wanted to make a statement to the school to educate these coaches to take the necessary precautions not to have these kids playing in this heat. I mean, it's dangerous. I mean, you guys know. I mean, you wouldn't tolerate that with your sons either to have this go on. You know, but there's the pressure of having to be there for the coach. And, you know, we've heard a lot of bad stories. Look at Marion Barber training in really severe heat, and the man passed away. Great football player for the Dallas Cowboys. Actually wore his jersey on Thanksgiving Day in his honor. So, uh, anyway, that's my uh, Rapid Sports Big D. Back to you. All right, Slick Rick, very good. Um, we'll do some more sports for the end of this show. Obviously, what even is that coming up at the top of the hour? We'll get to that as well. We'll get into some other stories. Uh, Paul Nolan's here with some news. I know you did a little um, on the Project Veritas video, Paul. I don't know what else you guys have done in the news, but what, what, else, what else is going on in the news besides that? Well, we, we touched on Maricopa County and, and how absolutely heinous the election is. But, you know, from Epoch Times, uh, Maricopa County uh, certify election results. Phoenix, the Maricopa uh, County Board Supervisors voted to certify the November midterm general election results, despite voters claiming that Arizona County mishandled the election, if not rigged it. Um, it was, uh, it's, they, one of the district uh, board member, Steve Gallardo said, uh, it is what it is, the Democrat. Um, this was a safe, secure, and in my opinion, <laughs> the election's over. Yeah, so, right. I mean, this is the hubris, and you got, you know, Bill Gates chiming in and, you know, talking about how, how great it was. And so, however, an estimated 70 of 223 county voting centers on election day reported printer malfunction that resulted in approximately 16,000 ballots that couldn't go through the electronic uh, tabulators. The situation resulted in long lines and frustrated voters and, and election workers who instructed them to either split uh their, uh, you know, um, uh, or spoil their ballots or vote in another location. Uh, they could place their ballots in a secure box for later tabulation, which was a, a big giant crock. Uh, the county official claimed that an estimated 31% of the ballot primers didn't correctly work on election day. The reset, resetting the printers resolved the problem, they said. Uh, several poll workers told Epic uh, Times that the ballot rejection rate was as high as 52%, 52% in some locations, and continued throughout the day. And some voters left with, without voting amounting to voter suppression. I mean, this article goes on. I'll post it on my page. I, I can keep going with it. If you guys want to, like, discuss this, and I'll keep going. When you watch these people step up to the, the Maricopa board, um, the county board of supervisors, and the, the arrogance and the hubris and the just how uh, really despicable these people were as people were, like, reporting this was wrong. It was a scam. It yeah. was a, sh a sham. And they were just smirking at them. Okay, your time is up. Thank you. Yeah. And it was, they were just dismissed. And the one guy said it best. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll cut my time early. So you, you don't get to say it to me because I know this little dog and pony show, you guys are going to do what you set out to do from Jump Street. And that's rigged this election like you knew you would. And um, it's, uh, it's terrible. I mean, this, it, this, it, this is just, it's just disgusting. So I'm. Um, I don't know, boys. Yeah, it's up to I, you. I, I just I just hope they get a couple whistleblowers to really rip 
ripped the top off of this thing because you heard about the uh, the Mojave County Board Supervisor who was coerced to certify his election, right? He says he's either I vote A or I'll be under arrest. It's like, what what is going on out there? Yeah. This is supposed to be America. P- Pima County was a disaster. It's just unbelievable. Ugh. All right, what even is that coming up? Hour two, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night, 9 o'clock on the East Coast. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's doing some news. Rick Amirati's doing sports. Rick Delgado, what even is that coming up here in a second? Glad you're a part of the show. If you're on Getter, checking in. Make sure you uh, share the show. Follow us on all our social media on Getter, through social, and every place else at LFS6B. Make sure you please subscribe to the podcast. The more we can get subscribed to the podcast, the better, the more we can spread the uh, spread the word, as they say, whether it's on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, do a search for Live from Studio 6B and just subscribe. You'll get each and every episode of Live from Studio 6B and 6B in the morning that I've been doing. Those have been quick. Those have been fun, but it's nice. I one topic, 20 minutes. And um, this morning I talked about, which I'm going to talk about here tonight if we have time. Your pajamas? The the Democrats' latest race (laughs) hustle, which of course is brown white supremacist at Mar-a-Lago, Look Who's Coming to Dinner by Charlie Hurt. And then this, this, uh, the outrage over Trump's lunch, dinner, whatever the hell it was, with uh, Kanye West and his guests. Who were his guests? So I talked about that this morning. I don't know who the other ones were. Supposedly showed up with a couple, but the one that everyone's focused on is somebody named Nick Fuentes, who I did I thought was maybe a member of the Backstreet Boys. I had no idea who the hell he was. Do you know Rick? Do you know is who he, he is? Well, well, is he, you asking me because he sounds Puerto Rican? Is that why you asking me? Well, no, he is. I think he is like um, he's like Mex. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. What it's like. I read something like that. Do you? But no, honestly, no. Did you, I've heard do you know the who name. he is just on. Was I've he heard the guy who uh, renounced ripped Trump a, a new one before renouncing white supremacy. I don't know. I don't. I the don't know that he's familiar, renounced it. I think, but I just yeah. don't know who the guy is. Okay, so we'll get know. into we'll get into this because I didn't well, I didn't know idea who he was either. Whose idea was to have Kanye at Mar-a-Lago? <laughs> well, that and you know, and that's of course that would be. I mean, listen, I don't want to get into this now because we have what even is that to do, but I mean, well, we just don't have time. I want to get into it when we have some time because I think you have to lay down, as I did this morning, you have to lay down the groundwork first. Yeah, before you get into the decision making here and the thought of whatever went into this or didn't go into it, let's put it that way. So, uh, but right now it's time for one of my new favorite segments here on the show. And that of course is Rick Delgado with what even is that? 
All right. Well, thank you, Damon. And well, holy crap. <laughs> with uh, Thanksgiving now firmly planted in the rearview mirror. I think we can all collectively turn our attention to the upcoming Christmas holiday season. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> all right is right there, Maddie. Yeah. It's Christmas time. And you know what that means? We're talking about Christmas trees and, and music and presents and, and, and what season would be complete without Christmas movies like It's a Wonderful Life or A Christmas yeah. Vacation, followed by, of course, our favorite Rankin-Bass Christmas movies like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and, and, and Santa Claus is Coming to Town. But guess what? Sure. There is a new movie on the horizon just in time for Christmas, so... You better watch out. Better not cry. Better not pout. Why? I'm telling you why. Yeah. Because Nancy Pelosi has a movie coming out. No, God! <laughs> no, God, please, no! No! <laughs> I know. What even is that, right? But don't don't worry. I'm sure since it's about Nancy Pelosi, I am positive it's going to be filled with truth. Honesty. And of course, the upstanding morals and decorum likes uh, we've come to expect from our Speaker of the House. I'm going to punch him out. This is oh, my mom. I'm going to pay to see that. I'm waiting for this, for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to punch him out. And I'm going to go to jail. Oh, and I'm going to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> See, what did I tell you? And I'm sure they'll want as many people to watch it as possible. But to do that, they're going to need a snazzy trailer. You know, the ones that, that you might see coming out for the big blockbusters that come out. Something that shows off the glitz, the glamour, the gumption of Nancy Pelosi. Where are we and who are these people? Yeah. I mean, I'm so pumped for this HBO documentary that, look, I'll even do the trailer for you. I mean, just cast your mind. Think about it. In a world of no-hold-barred <laughs> politics and high-stake drama where a nation hangs in the balance. There's only one woman with the gravitas and the gavel to match. So grab your scotch and Xanax with a Botex, Botox chaser and join us on this whirlwind tour of the life of Nancy Pelosi as she stars in... Good morning. Sunday morning. Yes. Morning. Sunday morning. Starring Nancy Pelosi. Rated D for Dingbat. What a great title, right? I know. I should have never left Hollywood. I'm sure the cinematic experience will be one that what that we that we drunk was available in IMAX for everyone. The movie, unfortunately, Paul. It's only going to be available on HBO, and from what I understand, the movie will take you from her humble beginnings as a JFK stalker to her first stint as Speaker of the House. Thank you. Yes. And we're getting and include all her most recent accomplishments, like being drunk. Uh, we'll also get an inside look at how she lives to all her congressional friends and, and of course, her lifestyle and, and, of course, the many famous speeches on how she has led this country. What are you saying? Uh, over the course of your career, has your husband ever made a stock purchase or sale based on information you've received from you? No. no. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, that's okay. a and from what I hear, floor. Yeah. check this out, because there's going to be a director's cut, and it's going to yeah. feature 
a recreation of the <laughs> Paul Pelosi naked hammer fight club scene. Look at this. <laughs> hey, I thought he was holding a hammer. And how'd they get Rob Schneider in this? Oh, that's going to be good. Oh, well. You know how they do things in Hollywood. So there you have it, kids. Set your DVRs and make sure you have HBO for December 13th. Bumble's ain't got nothing on Pelosi, I tell you. Bumble, back to you. Oh, it looks familiar. What? Oh, man. Wait, is that that a reference to me, Bumble? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I could have said Yabba Dabba Damon back to you, but I'm trying to stay in the Christmas spirit here, Dave. Hey, I like those teeth. I thought he was more like Yukon Jack. No. I have no I have no Cornelius. white hair. No. I have Yukon no white Cornelius. hair at all. <laughs> Wait, I feel so. like I'm drinking too much. <laughs> once, <laughs> once again, once again, a gratuitous shot at me from Delgado here to wrap up his well, otherwise very funny. What even is that? Well, thank you. Yeah. So another very good. attack again. Yeah. yeah, exactly, Paul. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Exactly right. So, so um, I know you, you know, guys and that's a, that was very that good. Was good. And that actually is a really good lead-in because part of this discussion on um, Pelosi and her daughter, I, I noticed this question brought up by Brian Jundef in his article about the January 6th committee that I talked about the other day in the morning show. And given the Republicans, obviously, now that we know the Democrats didn't find enough ballots in these for to take away the majority in the House, and that the GOP is actually going to be in charge of the House. Um, what what did what did the GOP leaders do? Do they shut down this January sixth Salem witch trials committee? And uh, the the left wing media, of course, thinks that it'll be coming to an end because they're thinking about it from. Well, I think maybe the wrong the wrong angle, thinking that oh they're going to shut it down just for the sake of shutting it down. Now we know what this has been so far. And as Brian Jundef refers to it as a hyperpartisan gaggle of Trump hating members of Congress, consisting of a Democratic chairman, six Democratic committee members, including Adam Schiff, Jimmy Raskin, and the two token Republicans who loathe Donald Trump even more than their Democratic colleagues, which is true, by the way. Now it, of course, will be uh, Dizzy Lizzy and uh, Adam, uh, Adam Cry- the Wimp. Cry Kinzinger, Kinzinger. Crying Kinzinger, yes. yes. And uh, he says, Brian Jundev says, and this is, I hadn't really thought about this until I read this article. I didn't think it's a good idea. In a delicious twist of fate, neither Republicans will be a member of the next Congress. Cheney got shellacked and Kinzinger decided to take his crocodile tears and go to left-wing news media sites. And despite their stated goal of investigating the so-called attack on the U.S. Capitol, the January 6th committee was basically to tar and feather Donald Trump. We know what their real goal was through endless media leaks, eventually turning their quote unquote evidence over the politicized Department of Justice. They did all the work for them, which will dutifully indict and prosecute their political opponent, just like a third world banana republic dictatorship. And we've been talking about this for a while. And he says, you know, the Democrats always have a plan A, plan B. Republicans rarely even have a plan A. But since the Democrats lost control of Congress and the January 6th committee, and since Donald Trump recently announced his candidacy for president in 2024, Plan B calls for the committee's work seamlessly handed off to the special counsel. This would be Jack Smith, whose wife was a producer on the film about Michelle Obama called Becoming uh, Presidential Aspirations, who donated 2000 to Biden's presidential campaign. 
And he says, maybe a better idea here, instead of shutting it down or leaving it be, would be to renew the committee, stack it with Freedom Caucus Republicans, and maybe a few never Biden Democrats, if any exist. Let me let me tell you that they don't. <laughs> Good luck with Names that. Names like Jim Jordan, Andy Biggs, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Chip Roy would be a good start. Those would come to mind. And then as he says, let's let the real investigations begin because there are so many questions that have been ignored and we need answers, starting with and explaining how then President Trump's speech on January 6th incited an insurrection when he said, we'll peacefully and patriotically make our voices heard. Those words hardly are a call to arms. Despite Democrat efforts to edit the words peacefully and patriotically out of his speech to the point that even left-wing Snopes called them on their omission. Then we can ask why, despite President Trump's offering and authorizing of the National Guard troops deployed to the Capitol ahead of January 6th, the media and the January 6th committee claims otherwise. The committee should be able to now subpoena Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she's got a lot of time on her hands, and DC Mayor Mariel Bowser to explain why they refused Trump's offer of assistance. The chief of Capitol Police can be subpoenaed, then he can explain why officers opened the doors for and ushered protesters into the Capitol. The committee can demand and release tens of thousands of hours of video showing what really happened on January 6th, rather than relying on Liz Cheney and what she says happened. Then, and Rick, here you go, pay attention. Then they can ask Ms. Pelosi how it was that her filmmaker daughter was present to film the events of January 6th. If yeah. Trump's speech an hour earlier was the thing that incited the insurrection, it's remarkable that Alexandra Pelosi could get her film crew to the Capitol immediately to set up and begin filming unless this was all pre-arranged. Oh, well, we'll, we'll finish well. this. Ding, ding, ding. Who's got the tinfoil hat now? <laughs> <laughs> we'll finish this when we get back. Good ideas, though. I like it. Yeah. Miss Pelosi, raise your right hand. Oh, God. <laughs> Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Where are we? Sunday morning. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Slick Rick's doing sports. Paul's doing news. Rick Delgado just did a great what even is that. Thank you, sir. By the way, getting just before we do sports... I have not heard that question bantered around a lot in media about Pelosi's daughter. She's there at the Capitol and she's able to capture all this. Like, like and it was supposedly, oh, no one had any idea this was gonna this was gonna happen before Trump's speech, and all of a sudden she's there with a film crew all set up. Now being in production, I can tell you how long it takes just to set up doing this show every night. <laughs> never, never mind going out uh, on uh, on production outside your building. Well, I remember when that first that clip first came out. I think it was during the summer. That was a question I raised because there was also in that story I remember was that her husband, uh, the daughter's husband, was outside. Yep, and he was filming as well. And I think he was dressed up in Trump gear. 
from what I understand. I could be wrong on that in terms of what he was wearing, but he was outside filming as well. Like he was, it was well coordinated so they could get as much footage as they could. I believe she I mean, was there to film the certification of the, of the election. And I think it was just like one camera, one, or I don't even know if it was a camera guy or if she I was filming it herself. Well, I mean, the, the way to get to the answer is, I mean, would there be anything better? Now, and, and remember, we now have a new standard for all these things. We have the Steve Bannon standard. We have the, um, if you get subpoenaed to show up in front of this committee. Yeah. And now we have, you know, you know how, it, how, it work, how it goes down. And if you don't show or you, you, you try to claim executive privilege from the former president and that, that's not good enough. Or whatever she's going to try to claim, if she if she was to get not that the Republicans would ever play on this level because we know they have no you know what's to do it, but and 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 this is by the way we're going to see what they're we're going to see if they even contemplate this idea of keeping this committee um, and as Brian Jundev says maybe supercharge it here and get some real investigations. Pelosi, um, McConnell, by the way, and not let him off the hook. He could be right there next to her, by the way. I'd be as excited to see his right hand go up and say, uh, please uh, respond, repeat after us. I you know, solemnly swear. I, I'd like to see Pelosi under that role. I'd like to see um, McConnell under that role. I'd like to see Christopher Ray under that role. And I'd like to luck. know from the House, um, Sergeant at Arms at the House, what he knew or what Pelosi and what their discussions were. What do the phone call logs look like? I mean, there's a lot of things that they could get to try to get to the bottom of and actually do some real questioning and some real investigative work. Not just start at the conclusion, which is uh, he needs to be indicted and work your way backwards, which is the Democrats always do. They already start, they start at the conclusion and then try to work their way back to get to whatever. You know, so we'll see. When we watched these videos that started to surface right after, we all said there was a lot of chicanery, for lack of better words. We saw, yeah. you know, we saw some really strange videos, staged videos of, you know, the security guard telling the, the, the mob to wait. Yep. Counts them down. Now he opens the doors, and then they act like he's he's getting chased up the stairs. How right. come no one's ever brought those videos? Well, how about the people uh, walking in and the cops saying, "I don't think this is right," but they want us to let you in. I don't think you should do this. And how many videos? We saw at least twenty-five or thirty videos. By the way, they're scrubbed. I was trying to find them. I spent two hours trying to find them on uh, last Monday morning. I can't find anything. Um, so, so much of it's hard to find, and uh, I, I really got to go over to, uh, not Rumble, but there's another one. Um, anyway, I got to do better homework, but uh, there was nothing really good. But we, no one's talking about those videos. Shouldn't, right. If those were, if it was the other way around, wouldn't we see people on the mainstream media asking, what was this about? It was yeah. just, you know, the whole thing looked too conveniently perfect. Well, you know yeah, what? Those, those videos are out there, Paul. I have seen them recently. Um, I'll see if I can find you, find a couple and send you a couple links. Um, but also, you know what? You mentioned the, the police kind of staging it. It's like counting it down. It's like, okay, follow me up the stairs like I'm being chased. Woo, woo, woo. Remember, yeah. that was all caught on video because the photographer was already there waiting for this to happen. Remember, the, the photographer was watching, you know, watching the cop counting it down and then all of a sudden he's got to back up and make sure that he's getting the shots it, it, it was choreographed 
It was yeah, totally so laid out. There is no doubt that these guys were placed there on purpose to make sure they got this footage because it just so happens it's the same footage they're using for the January 6th committee. That's so crazy. You know, we've seen it. It's one of the greatest tactics is, you know, these false flags are just incredible tactics to froth up when you have a media fully complicit. And it's, look, do I, am I exonerating the, the, the morons who walked in there when they should have known better? You don't know. No. Ridiculous. What are you thinking about? We, you know, it was crazy. But at the end of the day, these people just thought they were, I don't know, who knows what they thought. But, you know, I don't want to condemn people for, you know, being naive. Right. Um, but at the end of the, at the end of the day, I mean, there was so much chicanery in you know my foul mouth. I want to say something else. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's enough to make you sick, and you know, and and this these people act as if um, this was like nine eleven. They try to compare it to you know you know to to other like cataclysmic events, and you know it, it's the level of of sick that these people will go to to retain power just speaks to what power does in terms of corruption and and how these people will do anything as immoral as possible to retain that power and money. All right, let's do some sports. We'll talk more about this at the bottom of the hour. Next segment here with sports is Slick Rick uh, brought to you by MyPillow.com. You got about two weeks to get your orders in if you want them by Christmas. That is the word, I believe, coming from Lindell and the people, the great people, by the way, at uh, MyPillow.com, MyStore.com as well. If you're going to order up some coffee to give as a stocking stuffer, that's a great stocking stuffer, uh, the coffee. Um, you got about two weeks to get your orders in. LFS6B is the code. Check out 10 to 60% off. What's going on, Slick Rick? Order those lavender slippers, too, while you're at it. That's a nice <laughs> gift, too, sitting around the fire with those slippers on. They're beautiful. Mesh color my shirt tonight. Um, NCAA <laughs> men's basketball. Let's touch on that, Big D. I haven't given an update on some scores. Penn State right now in a good one over Clemson, 79-78, 221 to go in overtime. Uh, and Illinois over Syracuse, 60-42, to three and a half to go in the second half. Houston, number one Houston. The Cougars all over Norfolk State, 71-31, about 13 minutes to go in the second half. And uh, Marquette with a little bit of an upset over number six, Baylor, in an unbearable game, 45-23 to the Baylor Bears trail with two minutes to go in the first. I'm sure they'll come back. And Wake Forest right now leads Wisconsin 21-18. That's uh, early in the first half. Uh, and earlier tonight, St. John's all over Long Island, 95-68. That's in our neck of the woods. And Maryland, big D to Terps, number 22, over Louisville, 79-54. Four. Lock them up. And uh, NBA action. The Knicks with a big win tonight. 140-110 over the Detroit Pistons on the road in Detroit. And Mavericks, 92-87 over the Mavs. That's the end of three. Clippers and Trailblazers out west, 10 p.m. Tip and NHL action. Bruins continue to lead the Lightning. 2-1 with six minutes to go in the third. Sharks blanking the Canadians. Three zips. Six minutes to go in third as well. Islanders trailing the Flyers down in Philly. 2-1. End of two. Got to get some scoring going on. Philly's going to win that one. And uh, the Jets over the Avs, two zip, 15 minutes to go in the second period. Just get to a quick story, Big D. Um, Rams urging fans to donate. Christmas tickets to charity to avoid attendance nightmare. Well, the Rams went from Super Bowl champs, basically they went from the penthouse to the outhouse in the NFL in one quick swift of a season. This is Adam Gretz of Yard Barker. The LA Rams are urging fans who have tickets to their nationally televised Christmas Day game, but don't plan to attend to donate them to charity. According to the Sports Business Journal, the Rams feel low interest from their season ticket holders and a weak secondary market for the holiday game against who? the Denver Broncos. What a doozy. Uh, December 
November 25th is also the Ugh. seventh day of Hanukkah this year. And the Rams are 3-8, and eight, are the defending Super Bowl champs, but several factors have considered uh, conspired to set up an attendance nightmare for the game. So that's a nice gesture. I think the Rams coming out and saying that. They really have never settled into SoFi, although they didn't win the Super Bowl there. you got to give them that. But they just haven't this season. It hasn't gelled for that team, obviously. Sean McVay almost got railroaded by his own player walking onto the field. You saw that. He almost <laughs> broke his jaw. But uh, anyway, Big D, that's all I got for this segment. Back to you. Well, this is what happens when you sell out to win a Super Bowl, right? You're going to reap those rewards to get to the Super Bowl, but you're going to deal with it for years to come with the cap and everything else. So that's what they're looking at. So, all right, uh, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday. We're back right after this. Six B on a Tuesday night, Real America's Voice. Glad you're in. Just want to finish the um, the idea on the January Six Committee and the, what the Republicans could do if they decide that. Um, well, number one, they're going to grow a set. Number two, they're going to take this committee, keep it going. Um, FBI Director Chris Ray could be asked under oath to explain the FBI planting informants into the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers to monitor and likely incite the January 6th protest, just as the FBI had dozens of personnel infiltrated into the Michigan governor kidnapping plot, more feds than entrapped kidnappers. And the White House Homeland Security Committee questioned Director Ray recently. He tap danced like he was Fred Astaire and didn't answer <laughs> questions about how many feds were part of the January 6th protests and what role they played. Did the FBI instigate and orchestrate the protests would be question one, or did they have advanced knowledge and chose to ignore it in pursuit of a political agenda would be question two. If the FBI had a confidential human sources already embedded, they had to know days or weeks ahead of January 6th as something would occur throwing water on Trump causing a spontaneous uprising. What did the FBI know and when did they know it? The new Republican January 6th committee should also get to the bottom of who is Ray Epps and what his role was in all of this. Epps was on the FBI most wanted list, encouraged everyone to go into the Capitol and now is off the list and has gone underground. Who is he? What was he doing that day? These are all questions that should be answered under oath. Then there is the mysterious suspected pipe bomber that the sleuth FBI just cannot seem to identify. The new January 6th committee should subpoena phone records of everyone in Pelosi and Schumer's office in the days leading up to January 6th. Who was calling or messaging Pelosi and Schumer? Let's see if this was a spontaneous protest or an orchestrated event to kneecap President Trump. Pelosi and Schumer should be questioned under oath about their role in and knowledge of the January 6th events. If anyone lies to the committee and is referred to the Department of Justice for indictment and prosecution, will any of that happen? 
Well, like I said, we now have the Steve Bannon rule. So if you don't show up or you decide not to come, we know what should happen. If the newly appointed special counsel does his job, a very big if, there must be an investigation of the FBI's role, what they knew, when they knew it, and what they did to stop or to instigate the protest. Perhaps that could backfire on the Democrats, although improbable. But the role of the Democrats and the corrupt FBI in January 6th needs to be explored and exposed, even if the equally corrupt DOJ refuses to do anything about it. If not exposed, the story will be buried, allowing the special counsel to conduct a witch hunt, a continued witch hunt against Donald Trump. Many urged the new GOP House to focus on inflation in the economy as well as the open southern border and feckless energy policies. But there must be a reckoning and an accounting for a politicized Justice Department beginning even before Trump was elected. If you are a Republican, the FBI can fabricate a Russian collusion story, lie to the FISA court, spy on its political opponents, raid your home, and harass your friends and associates and sick two special counsels against you. If you're a Democrat, you can collect millions from foreign adversaries and have an FBI cover up any uh, have the FBI cover up any incriminating evidence on your son's laptop computer. If there is no reckoning, then America has become a police state where those in power can persecute and destroy their political opposition in tyrannical fashion. Rigged elections and a dictatorial government turn America into Russia, into the USSR or Cuba. Republicans must supercharge the January 6th committee and attempt to restore faith in American legal and intelligence institutions or else the great American experiment is over. Now, I think that's pretty powerful stuff, Brian yeah. Jundef. Yeah, and you know what? Great points about the FBI because I remember, and I'll post the link, I'm looking for it right now, of the FBI publishing a report, I think it was in August of 2021, or maybe a little bit before that, saying that there was scant evidence that there was any coordination coordination for January 6th. But what's even more, more um, what really got everybody's attention was the revolver story that came out mid-June. They published an investigative report arguing that certain elements of the federal government had foreknowledge uh, of the events of January 6th. And uh, scarcely three months after the report, the New York Times finally confirmed that report. And as scores of proud boys made their way chanting and shouting towards the January 6th Capitol, one member of the far-right group was busy texting the real-time account of the march to his FBI handler. So yeah. if you want, I'm going to post these links on my uh, on my getter page. You can check those out. But it goes right right along with what you're saying. It And, and they really should keep this, this uh, committee open and drag Christopher Ray back in, drag the Washington field office head guy back in, because he was also the guy in charge in Michigan that oversaw the kidnapping of Gretchen Whitmer. Uh, drag him in, and uh, let's get to the bottom of this, like for real, instead of, uh, you know, I've I got to go on vacation. Yeah, instead of tap dancing like Fred Astaire, exactly. Yeah. So, All right, I feel like we haven't done a crazy town in a long time, G, with Thanksgiving break and everything else. We didn't do one last night, so here we go, crazy town. Joe Biden's economic approach is working. Roll it, G. Welcome the president to be here with us in Bay City, Michigan, where things are happening. We are, of course, celebrating Michigan's manufacturing growth.
and economic momentum bolstered oh, yeah. by the game-changing bills that President Biden signed into law. The Inflation the Reduction that, Act yeah. will lower costs, and thanks to leaders like President Biden, we are a hub of manufacturing and a magnet for bipartisan progress. It is my great honor to introduce you the President of the United States, Joe Biden. Hello, Michigan. Hello, 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 hello. <laughs> I tell you what, yeah. I, if I, my mom's looking down from heaven saying, apologize to these people because you have their, you have their back to them. I apologize. Jeff, thanks. Thank you, Jeffrey, for your introduction. I really mean it. It's a big deal. And you're a big guy. As, oh, as I told jerk. you, if I had you running in front of me when I was playing nice flanker back, I could have been an All-American, man. Oh, yeah. well, could have been go. big. Could have been big. Governor Whitmer, thanks for inviting me back to Michigan. You stood for jobs. You stood for dignity. You stood for the American workers. You stood up for women's fundamental rights. And it's not a small item. It's a significant item. And Representative Slotkin came up on the plane with me. Where, is she here today? There you are. I'm, oh, she came I, on the I plane love her. With I'm you. very careful with her because she's former CIA. I'm really worried. Yeah. Oh, should be. Wow, what a surprise. <laughs> Good to see you. I'm no talking that way, but thank you very, very much. And uh, I told uh, Jeffrey that uh, I went to a, a school that had these colors. You, uh, you guys recognize these colors? Well, the, uh, you know, uh, my college football coach oh. played at what? Michigan. And uh, <laughs> he, he became a he made to the Hall of Fame as a coach and uh <laughs> the thing was that uh, he always here's what he did to i have to admit his oh, front shit, end i told this to kill on the way up we stole michigan's uniforms many of you are oh my goodness state folks uh, just remember no just way remember, that's true for, for all of you Bryant. looking at the tie it's delaware okay for you from the university of michigan is michigan i recently <laughs> Got back from a trip literally around the world. You know that around the world in 80 days? Well, I did it in six. I started off in Egypt and ended up in Guam and coming on home. And I had a long meeting with Xi Jinping at the G20. We We have met for over 80 hours over the last 10 years. We know each other well. We He's a little upset that we're deciding we're going to once again be, you know, and so are European friends. They're talking about the supply chain. We're going to be the supply chain. The difference is going to be we're going to make that supply chain available to the rest of the world, but we're not going to be held hostage anymore. Keep parts of the supply chain back to supply chain back to America as well. Think about it. Ten years ago, how many knew what the hell the supply chain was? They couldn't get the computer chips. Because everybody's stupid. They couldn't make the automobiles, so the price of the fuel automobiles are being made went way up. They had to shut down. It's a phrase when I started talking about supply chain, people were going, supply, no reason why they should have been. It's not because they weren't smart. We oh didn't God. have to rely on the rest of the world. We, we led the world. We invented the chip in America. We invented, we invented the, the chip in America. Potato chip. And we got lazy. And we we can change this country. We used to... <laughs> One of my, oh, my staff is, anybody's tired of hearing me saying, what the hell is going, what's going on? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Think about it. Back in July, when the chairman of SK, who's here today, came to the White House, we talked about a $50 billion investment SK is making in the United States. At the time, they wouldn't let me come down from the 
from the third floor because I was exposed to COVID. I didn't have it yet, but they were worried about me exposing other people. And so, as he said, it was like Alice in Wonderland. I'm up on the third floor in that balcony and, and waving to the chairman of SK saying, you are coming, aren't you? You are coming, aren't you? Now the United States has a top, top destination that? for companies across the globe looking to make investments in manufacturing again. They see what I see, what you see. We passed the American Rescue Plan. We did so <laughs> much, see. no one knows we the effects see. of it yet. We're just, just, they're just coming into play. It's, it's going to accelerate in the months ahead, and, and so many things you're going to find out what we've already done that we haven't what? been able to actually implement what yet. Was that? I ordered the largest ever <laughs> release of, from the Petroleum Reserve, 180 million oh, barrels great. of oil. Don't brag about that. That helped put pressure, downward pressure on price, because we're producing more <laughs> gasoline. And because of our po our policies, gas prices are coming down. <laughs> Exports is up. In the are up. In the Two guys on the bottom. Great American road trip would be fully electrified, where your driving costs along the I-10 or I-75 from here to Mi in Michigan. But we're laser focused on this. I promise you, we're laser focused on this. My approach to building the economy of the future is working, and that's not a joke. I mean it. No, Come no, on, man. Me. I'm serious. No, I'm serious. That's not a good joke. That's a fact. That's a fact. Wow. You got to put the You got to add the laugh track at the every at the end of every one of his speeches. You got to add the laugh track. Especially when he says, "Not a joke." Yeah, not right. a joke. Every you have time to keep says, telling us. Joke. You have to keep telling us it's not a joke and that you're serious. I mean, the president has to tell you eleven times in a speech that I'm serious. Like, think about how <laughs> unserious of a man you are. This is the leader of the free world, and he's got to tell you eleven different times oh, I'm man. serious. That tells they, you how utterly useless he is. Wow. They put out a tweet today. I'm going to pull it up on my phone because oh. I just, I just, I just laughed out loud when I saw it. They, I, I actually was. I, I retweeted it with the, with the laughing emoji. They said, President Biden is strengthening American manufacturing. America has cr created, they used the word, over 700,000 manufacturing jobs under his leadership. <laughs> I mean, the idea that he's created anything and they just haven't come back from the COVID disaster. I mean, what are they talking about? I mean, it's just, it's... Uh... <laughs> Hi, live from Studio 6B. More sports news. We'll wrap it up for a Tuesday night. We get back right after this. Be on a Tuesday night, 13 minutes till the hour. Glad you've been a part of the show. Slick Rick's been doing sports. Rick Delgado did a great What Even Is That Paul's been doing the news. Let's do a little more news before we wrap it up with sports. Uh, and the news, of course, is brought to you by our friends at Seven Cells. Seven Cells, spelled out seven, S-E-V-E-N, sevencells.com. And, of course, early treatment meds if you're looking for the ivermectin or um, they've got Tamiflu, they've got the hydroxychloroquine. 
earlytreatmentmeds.com. Not at Seven Cells anymore. They separated it into two businesses. Earlytreatmentmeds.com. LFS6B is the code. 10% at checkout. It'll save you off your order. You want to put one of those early treatment packs, which I've used, I think, with every family member that's gotten it. And every single one of them has had a pretty easy, God willing, thank God, pretty easy track, including both my parents. My uh, my mother-in-law had COVID, all her friends in the Red Hats, my sweet little mother-in-law. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. She's she's 85. She's, she's like always on. Like She lives the most active life. She's a very healthy woman for the most part. No medication. But she got, everyone got nailed with COVID, all her friends. And I sent over the pack. And um, within three days, she felt great. And honestly, uh, her friends, she was afraid to tell her friends she was taking ivermectin, uh, hydroxychloroquine. D, what was the other thing in the Z-Pack? That, what else is in the my wife gave the early me the yeah the, the early treatment pack is the nitsa nitsa the ivermectin the um the the steroid and then the um the z pack so all of it combined is what really attacks keeps it out of your lungs and attacks it with the antivirals right away but nitsa not hydroxychloroquine like, is not like hydroxy is not in the early treatment pack that's a they have it's a different not. pack with with hydroxy okay the ivermectin and you can buy all of them the separately. Yeah, you can buy them separately too. I gave her the, the pack with ivermectin. Within three days, she felt great. Yeah, yeah. So, I have to say, it's uh, worked. It's really, uh, it's really good to have on hand. Uh, you know, it's just it's, a little it's, pricey, it's, man. I just sure wish. I sure wish they ivermectin should be cheap. Why can't they get those prices down? I remember the guy. We talked to the guy. The poor guy's like, I can't get, I can't get the stuff any cheaper. It's all about where you source it, right? It's all about where you source it to make sure it's the, make sure it's you know whatever clean or the real whatever whatever it is. It's where they source it from. So it's here anyway, in the states. I don't. I'm not looking at show it, yeah. for them, but you know they've been good to us. So I just uh, and the. Well, let's do works, some news, so. Paulie. What else yeah, is uh, what else is going on? So, my girl, Carrie Lake, uh, she was on Just the News, No Noise, the TV show with our man, John Solomon. Uh, she said that uh, she wishes the uh, RNC had spoken out more about election integrity. She said, I really wish the RNC would have been more vocal and worked harder during the 2020 elections instead of falling in the trap of we can't talk about what happened in our elections. She said this on the show. She also went on to say, uh, we certainly can talk about it. When we see our government messing up, we see our elections fraught with problems. We can speak out. We have freedom of speech. And I wish they would have done more. We wouldn't have found ourselves in this position. Uh, Lake announced last week that she sued Maricopa County, the force to release documents about voting irregularities in the midterm a prelude to a larger legal challenge of the election results, which can occur after the election has been certified. So um, obviously, I don't want to beat this to death. Our audience is following this closely. But um, I, I really I really hope I, I just, you know, I, I wasn't hopeful that she'd win because I honestly am so jaded with elections. But I really hope that somebody will fight through and expose these animals and, and these traitors for what they are. Um, I saw Charlie Kirk on with Steve Bannon this morning. He doesn't hold out a lot of hope that they're going to be able to do anything in Arizona at this point now that the certification has happened. And um, you're not going to get a judge to be uh, to probably step out and put their neck out in the line like that. So he doesn't hold out a lot of hope, unfortunately, to get to the bottom of what happened. And, and it, it really is obviously. It's very wow. strange because when you look at what the you look at the Republicans how they did across the board in the state, they did extremely well picking up seats in the state legislature, the House, in the Senate, Attorney General. 
Yeah, but it's so, so weird. When, you get you get these uh, you get these you, seats and these office in you know these elected leaders of some of these offices you've never heard of somehow gaining more votes from Republicans than than the governor candidate. It it makes no sense, and no sense. And, and that in itself is the big is the big lie. That is huge. Yeah. I mean, how, how does a person that, that no one's ever heard of, no one's seen them campa- campaigning, but somehow they get more votes than Carrie Lake gets? Yeah. And she's the one driving the party in, in that state. It it boggles the mind. It cho- it shows you once and for all, it's shenanigans. Yeah. It's well, you know, Rick. Didn't they say yeah, I mean, I, the, I'm uh, not. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. As we've talked about, I don't know who specifically you're mm-hmm. talking about, but the one that everybody brings up is a very well known. Um, political entity in Arizona. I believe it's her second time running uh, for that position. The one, the girl that I'm, we've talked about this before. Yeah, I just so agree I, maybe, with you maybe I there's other, you maybe there's other, maybe there's other people that you're referring to. I don't know who you're referring to specifically, but um, well, she got, there are other anomalies. She, they like, they, for example, I think they, they said that in 2020, it was 74% Republicans vote, stepped out to vote record number. And I think it was 76.7% turned out to vote. And Democrats went down by, I think, 2%, which is a huge gap. Um, And the downvote ticket showed that almost, was it four or five people had more votes than Carrie Lake? Lake? Uh, It wasn't just one person. And even the one person, people don't, they they down ballot, but they usually don't go all the way down to the end of the ballot. So uh, Charlie Kirk was actually talking about how it's it's bordering on impossible, uh, that exact thing we're talking about now and charlie kirk w- was with um i can't remember his name I'll, i'm i should have wrote it down whatever i'm old but they were both saying it's almost an impossibility for this to happen uh carrie lake they have less votes than people in the down ticket so i don't know i don't pull up by any of it all right anything else in news paul before we do some sports to wrap it up no man let's wrap it up with sports let's uh hear all right, slick, rick. Rick. i want to see your shoes Here's some What's big going news. on in uh, Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Skunk interrupts fans watching Browns-Bucks game at First Energy Stadium Sunday. Ryan Gatos, Fox Sports News. Cleveland Browns fan got a startling glimpse as they watched their team defeat Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday. Well, life stinks for Tom Brady, that's for sure. Um, but uh, a skunk appeared on the steps of First Energy Stadium, sending fans into a frenzy. According to the Cleveland Plain Dealer, the skunk was found uh, first in Section 140 underneath step and moved along trying to get some more food. The section was then cordoned off and after the game it was still walking around looking for food. Cleveland Brown uh, Cleveland won the game 23-17 in overtime and was propelled by uh, David Nyoko's uh, touchdown catch from Jacoby Brissett late in the game. Cleveland uh, had to hold Tampa from the end zone to get another chance at a winning game. Brown fans on social media used the skunk as a rallying cry. Cleveland moved to 4-7 and seven on the season with Deshaun Watson set to return next week. But I think the only rallying cry they could have is that they're going to get skunked at the end of the season anyway, like they normally do, Cleveland Browns. But we're, we'll hope for them. We love we love Ohio, that great state that it is. Uh, and I think we got time for one more there, Big D. Hey, college football playoffs. Hey, heating up. Listen to this one. USC joins Georgia, Michigan and TCU, the Horned Frogs. Watch them. They're a sleeper, Rick. They may leapfrog them all. In uh, college football's latest top four, Andrea Adelson, ESPN senior writer, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC are all poised to make the college playoff with wins in their conference championship games 
this weekend after the selection committee unveiled his uh, penultimate uh, rankings on uh, Tuesday. There was no change at the top as Georgia 12-0 remained number one. After Michigan 12-0 beat Ohio State 45-23 last Sunday, the Wolverines jumped one spot to number two. TCU stayed at number three, and USC slipped in at number four at 11-1. Ohio State dropped to number five, and now must hope for upsets and chaos in the upcoming title <laughs> playoff game to potentially get an opportunity to make it back. And they go on to talk about, you know, there's a couple of different scenarios, which we'll get into at the end of the week. We know we're going to have odds makers, big D. A lot of big games this weekend. Of course, we got the uh, the men's, U.S. men's national team, 10 a.m., appointment television on Saturday. Good, good, Let's go, guys. World Cup. Hope they can beat the Netherlands. I think they might beat the Netherlands, but after that, big D, it's going to get real long and real hard uh, playing that game out there uh, in uh, Qatar. And that's a wrap in sports. Big D, back to you. All right. Well, as I told you, chaos might be what you get this week, especially in that TCU-Kansas State game. I'm putting TCU on upset alert. I'm telling you that right now. So you may get chaos. All right. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines protecting us. Thanks, everybody on the show. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Most of all, thank you, the live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night. 8 p.m. right here at Real America's Voice, live from Studio 6B. 